Hey my dudes, I'm the host Allie and this is Sincerely Queer, the podcast full of stories, tips, and most importantly, laughs. start off every single recording session like that (laughs) but um wow I gotta hold on I gotta shift my shit um I came in earlier and found this huge open bag of candy on my desk and it really kind of irritated me because uh, I've been trying to get rid of all the candy that um is in my room because my mother uh, last Halloween bought, I don't know, like eight fucking bags of candy. Gigantic bags, too. And I've had so many of them stored in my room, and I'm sick of it. So, I've been trying to move them out, you know. But, uh, okay, so this week, I don't know currently what the title is going to be. It may just be, like, the discussion of graphic novels, because... That's what I'm going to talk about, but, um, sorry, um, sorry, oh god, okay, so this is like the first time my computer's been awake in a hot second, so I'm starting to get all of these notifications, um, and it's annoying, okay, yeah, so I'm going to talk about three graphic novels, I originally was just going to do four total, and I think I was going to split it up two and two, but I read another one which I'll talk about in a second and then excuse me um and then I uh oh my god I have the hiccups uh oh and then my copy of Honest Sunbeam by Tilly Wald Walden came in and I decided I was gonna read that too so okay let's get started we'll see if my hiccups continue because it's kind of annoying um Ah, first things first, my introduction, because I think that's important for me to do, and I really do want to get into the habit of doing that. So, I'm Allie. I'm from Oklahoma. I am almost 24. My birthday's coming up. Um, I use she, her pronouns. I identify as a lesbian, although... You know, some could say that I identify as a vegetarian because I am attracted to trans men, but that's besides the point. Um, oh, and I work in a library part-time, and it is the best job I've ever had. It is amazing. So, that's me. Um, and, oh, and then next I was going to talk about the weekly news. So, weekly news. I try to do this, um, to 
what am I trying to say? Oh, I, for me, I want to do this weekly news segment because it's important to be aware of things that are happening, but also a lot of the things that are happening are very negative right now. So my goal is to have some fun, exciting, really cool, queer, um, piece of weekly news. So this week I'm going to talk about Jojo Siwa, (laughs) who, okay, my notes literally say Jojo Siwa, comma, an icon, comma, um, but she kissed her girlfriend on the red carpet yesterday, which was Monday, because today's Tuesday. I don't know if you guys can hear those locusts, but they are popping off. Um, but it was a Nickelodeon red carpet for her new movie, I believe. I can't remember what it's called, but it's her new movie. And her and her girlfriend, who are both 18, kissed on the red carpet, which is huge, in my opinion, because it was not, you know, it was for Nickelodeon. Kids movies and TV shows and stuff. Um, so that's huge. One, that she's a huge kid star, right? And she, you know, is doing all this stuff and is very, very, um, what is the word? Like, not viable, visible. She's very, very visible in children's areas, right? And so it's really cool, in my opinion, that she has come out as queer slash pansexual. Um, and that she is now also visible with her girlfriend. And, like, that's really cool. So that's my thing. Because I just think that that's a huge moment in, you know, queer history type of thing. I don't know. Um, also, I wanted to touch on the fact that Jojo Siwa is going to be on Dancing with the Stars, right? And this is like the 30th season or something like that. But she is going to be the first contestant ever to be paired with a same-sex dance partner. So her and her partner, I don't know who the pro dancer is, but it's a woman. And that's going to be the first thing ever. And that's huge also. Um, and I also wanted to talk about how I used to judge her a bit because she was a kid's figure and she's also a little too much for me, you know, with the sparkles and the color and stuff. But like, I have mad respect for her. I like love her now and I fully support her and I'm really excited to see where she goes. Like if she stays as a kid's figure or if as she grows up, she kind of becomes, uh, like her own, oh my God, her own figure type of thing. You know what I mean? So yeah, I'm gonna, I don't know. We'll, well, I'll keep on top of that and pay attention to that. And I really would love her to win Dancing with the Stars, but let's see. Oh yeah. I think that's about it. Um, all that I have in the way of like discussing just introductory stuff. So now, I'm going to jump into the graphic novels um, and my reviews of said graphic novels. And honestly, as I'm recording this, I'm uh, like six and a half minutes into my recording. And that doesn't include my intro and stuff. So it'd be more like eight minutes into the podcast. But I am thinking this might be kind of a shorter episode. So I think I might start heading towards the shorter episodes just because you try talking to yourself for half an hour. It's, it's difficult, but I am, yeah, we're just going to get started. So 
the first graphic novel, well, I'll introduce all three of them and then I'll go into depth into each one. So the first one is called Bloom. It's by Kevin Panetta and Savannah Ganusho. I'm pretty sure I butchered that. Um, it's really cute. I'll talk about that in a sec. Uh, the second one is Go With The Flow. And I know I pulled this up last week to talk about it. Um, I'm going to figure it out. Go With The Flow by Karen Schneeman and Lily Williams. There we go. And then the last one I read is I Am Not Starfire by uh, Mariko Tamaki and uh, Yoshi Yoshitani. Hold on. I want to make sure I'm not butchering that name. Um, because I follow somehow um, Yoshi on uh, Twitter, I think it is. Hold on. Show me. Yoshi Yoshitani. Yeah. Um, and Yoshi, I'm pretty sure, doesn't use pronouns at all. And I, I'm going to have trouble, I know working or talking about that that's not gonna help me yeah on no pronouns on uh, Yoshi's Twitter they Yoshi uses no pronouns okay so we're we might struggle with that a bit but this is something new and I think that this is important to mention so those are the three that I'm talking about this week so back to bloom um, this was my, like, I think third time reading through Bloom. The first time I heard of it, it, um, was when I was at, well, when I was in my senior year of college and me and the two other girls for my, uh, in my major, um, which was WGS, we were preparing for a conference to go to, um, and it was really fun. I presented on uh, the racialized masculinities um, as seen in Mafia 3, which was really fun to do and just a really cool paper. And one of my friends, who actually I later dated her, um, she uh, presented on, I think it was queer graphic novels. And so she talked about Bloom, Honest uh, Sunbeam, and the princess, the prince and the dressmaker, and on a sunbeam and the prince and the dressmaker, I'll talk about probably I don't know maybe next week, maybe the week after, depending on if I can finish this Jane Fonda autobiography because it's actually taking me a lot longer to read than I thought. But it's besides the point. Um, so I first I learned about all these graphic novels then, and that was honestly I had liked graphic novels before. Um, and I liked comics before, but, like, looking at the fact that, like, graphic novels, there's, I think, a bigger proportion of, like, queer graphic novels versus other graphic novels compared to, like, queer books versus other books, if that makes any sense. So, like, if we're looking at just graphic novels, there are a lot of queer ones. Like, I honestly would argue that the genre of graphic novel specifically graphic novel, not comics, but comic books or, um, comic strips or anything like that, but a graphic novel, I would argue that it's a queer genre. And the reason why I would argue that is because if we look at, 
I don't know how many of you have read. Um, it's called Punks, Bulldaggers, and Welfare Queens. And I cannot remember who it's by. I'll see if I can find it and look it up before I post this episode. But it in this essay, the author talks about how I don't know, different ways to be queer. So being queer isn't necessarily going to be talking about somebody's sexuality or somebody's gender identity or something. Um, because being queer could just mean arguably different from the norm. So like we could talk about, um, I'm queer because my sexuality, you know, I'm attracted to women. I'm attracted to people who have the same body as me, but I'm also not feminine and I'm very gender non-conforming. So like for me, I'm like, I try to have a masculine presentation and I, the way I walk, the way that I talk, um, the way that I hold myself is typically more masculine. And that's how I like to be perceived. Um, I don't really like being compared to femininity because that's not me. So I'm queer in that sense. Um, but another way for somebody to be queer could be, um, single mothers in a sense, because the, uh, I don't know if it would be traditional, we'll go with traditional, the traditional way for a family to exist is with a mother, father, and 2.5 kids type of thing. You know what I mean? So single women raising their kids on their own could be argued they exist in a queer mm, identity of sorts. And I'm not, you know, if you don't agree with that, fine. Like, that's your whole thing. I really think that it's kind of fascinating to look at and not saying that people, it because it kind of expands on what can and cannot be queer. And it makes it, um, what is queer makes it a whole a lot bigger. So it's, I don't know where I was going with that. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think I was trying to talk about how graphic novels as a whole as a whole are queer because it's not the traditional way of telling a story like the genre is queer because it's not yeah okay and by that i mean even like comic books you know there are um collections of comic books and it puts you know like a whole maybe series or a whole series serialization of comics into one book called an omnibus or something like that. But like graphic novels are typically standalone stories. The entire story fits into one book and it's not told through words, right? It's told through pictures. So like, I think comics are, comic books are different, but graphic novels, I would argue are for sure queer because it's a different, I don't know. I, that's, I, I don't know how to continue, so we're going to leave it there. But, <laughs> excuse me, um, going back to Bloom, and actually going back to, um, there are, in my opinion, a lot more queer graphic novels. And that's why graphic novels are one of my absolute favorite genres. Like, I'm obsessed with graphic novels, and I constantly try and find new queer ones to read. And I constantly go back and read old ones that I loved. So, like, On a Sunbeam, my favorite graphic novel ever. Um, Bloom is good. It's not my favorite, but we'll, we'll get to that. Okay, so back to Bloom. 
Um, so Bloom tells the story of a young boy named Ari who is Greek and his parents own a bakery and, you know, they do bake Greek, um, breads and desserts and stuff. And they also break, wait, I'm struggling, bake traditional breads, like sourdough bread. They have loaves of sourdough bread and stuff. Um, and Ari wants to leave the small town that he lives in to go to the city and be with his band and hopefully they'll make it big. But the bakery is struggling and so he can't leave and there's this whole, you know, that's a big conflict of the whole story. But along comes Hector who Ari tries, Ari convinces his dad to hire Hector who is visiting this small town because of his grandmother's, his grandmother had passed away. So he's cleaning up her house. Um, so Ari and Hector essentially go grow to be really close and then, you know, they're gay. <laughs> um, I mean, it's not as simple as that, but they are, that's, those are the two main gay characters. So, um, my notes on this, it, I think Ari's kind of a bitch in my opinion. Sorry. Ari's kind of a bitch because he just, he's very whiny. I can't, he comes across as simultaneously really young and like late teens. I don't know. He's just, he gets on my nerves. Hector, on the other hand, oh, love him. What a good boy. Um, and I don't know. The art is gorgeous. The color scheme is blue. So it's just all in shades of blue, right? And then it's also got a lot to do with baking. And then just randomly, randomly during the baking scenes, they'll have, there'll be like a two page spread. And so it'll show the characters baking, you know, like rolling out the dough, kneading it, etc., cutting it out, shaping it, um, cooking it and stuff like that. And then, um, throughout this two page spread of the baking, there are these gorgeous, just like flowers. And I don't know what kind of flowers there are. And I think that they change, but I, it's one of my favorite things that just, there are these flowers and it kind of just ties in, you know, they live on a beach and stuff and all this fun stuff. But I really, I was thinking I would have more to say about this graphic novel, but I honestly don't. My rating is four out of five stars, mainly because of the art. The story is decent, actually. I would say the story is really good, but there are just too many asshole characters. And in my opinion, some graphic novels come across as a lot more, or like the characters come across as a lot more dry in their words because there aren't as many words spoken as like, I feel like a normal, <laughs> an actual real human being would speak. Um, but it is beautiful, but too many asshole characters. That's, that's my whole negative, or that's the reason why I gave it four out of five stars because I just, I didn't see the need for it, if that makes sense. So moving on to go with the flow. She hear my voice cry. <laughs> flow. <laughs> and this is by, uh, Karen Sheeman and Lily. Fuck. I can't remember. I've already said it. It's fine. So this one, oh, this is such a gorgeous graphic novel. So this, Go With The Flow, ready? It's about periods, right? 
So this is like a super feminist graphic novel. Um, and it's amazing. One, I, my first note was one of my favorite color palettes for a graphic novel ever. Like it, the, the color palette is red. <laughs> so everything is in red and very few things, you know, differ from that. There are, are some like darker red slash black and some whites and things like that. I don't know if there's any other color besides red. I mean, in variations on red, but, oh, it's gorgeous. Um, and it's about this group of feminist friends who, um, well, there's three of them to begin with, and then they see this new girl, and she started her period while wearing white pants. So they swoop in, save her, and luckily one of them is carrying a pad on her because the um, tampon slash pad machines that are in the bathrooms aren't kept stocked. So the one who had a pad fuck what is her name Abby Abby is her name she goes and gets so mad and she starts writing you know doing all these letter campaigns calling people and is trying to get these pads stocked because you know the principal argues that it's not in their budget to keep those pads and tampons stocked however the football pe team the football team just got brand new uniforms and brand new equipment after getting brand new uniforms just a few years ago. So it's very much like a what the fuck type of thing, right? Um, and so this, uh, so she does all this and, you know, all these things happen and everything works out in the end. Um, but it's really cool because one, it's separated by chapters, right? And then also throughout the graphic novel, there are one to two page spreads of like pictures of blog posts and stuff so then it's just like a block of text um after abby it's mainly abby who blogs but after she blogs she you know you get to see like her blog post in the graphic novel and i really like that because one breaking it up into chapters and having it's like a two-page spread and just it says chapter two and it had like down in the lower on the lower half of the right page um and then it has a pair of period underwear that actually has blood on them. And I think it's just fantastic. I love it so much. But it helps break up the story and really honestly gives you a good place for like stopping and stuff. So if you're not like me who reads most of these graphic novels in one sitting, it's easier to stop and like say, oh, I can, you know, take a break right now. Um, well, let's see. What else do I have? Oh, one of my notes, though, is, like, I feel like everyone around Abby, who is the one who goes ape feminist, kind of, <laughs> um, they all are, like, Abby chill. Like, you've done your part. It's up to them now. You know, them being, like, the school board or, you know, s the principal, things like that. And I'm, like, that's not how change happens, right? That's not how, you know that's not, that's not how like civil rights came to be because they said their peace and then waited quietly. Like they continued to fight. Same with everything. Like you're not going to get anywhere or be able to do anything, um, or get what you want if you don't keep fighting. And so like that really irritated me. And I think that, you know, the authors showed that as a, and did that for a very important reason to show that you can't stop fighting if you want something done. Like, you have to keep going and you have to always 
be willing to put in the effort. Um, I think that's a very important lesson that this book gives. Um, oh, oh, and another thing is like this book has excellent, okay, like the last book, Bloom. I didn't mention it because it wasn't in my notes and I kind of forgot, but both these books have excellent representations. Like one in the last book, Bloom, we'll go back. Ari is Greek and Hector, I think, is American Samoan. Um, and, you know, it just showcases all of those. Um, and in Go With The Flow, uh, Sasha's some, some person of color. I don't know what, but she does have darker skin. Well, that might have been really not okay to say. I'm pro I'm sorry. I like really, I'm not trying to be rude or anything. I'm just, I'm trying to like describe the characters for somebody who can't read this book. So Sasha is a person of color. So is Brit. I think Brit is black. And what really excites me about Brit is her character's hair changes. Um, and it changes fairly frequently, at least once, once a month, like it shows the months going by, um, in the, throughout the story and her hair changes, which is what, you know, like if you're wearing a protected hairstyle, protective hairstyle, I guess, um, it's not going to last forever and it shouldn't last forever because you should be, you know, changing out your hair, taking care of it. I think that that's really important that they didn't just say, ah, it's a black girl. She's going to have dreads, which she does at first. Um, and she's just going to leave those braids and whatever in for the entirety of the story. Like her hair does change. Um, also there's endometriosis representation. Um, and also different, so like Sasha's a sophomore in high school and her period just starts. So like, um, and the, all the other girls, they have, you know, it's, I don't know how to describe it besides the fact that it really does have a really good, well-rounded group of representational things, if that makes sense. So like not just white characters or not just easy periods or not just everybody started their period at the same time. Um, which I think is really important. Um, oh, and at the end of this book, they have, um, the authors left a note on talking about periods and stuff. Um, they had a whole little blurb on how to period in which they said everybody, you know, has their period in their own way, in their own time, and no two periods are going to be alike, etc. Um, and then they had a whole thing on what is normal to help people realize, you know, um, like if you're having really bad cramps and everything is really painful, you might have endometriosis. I don't know why I struggled with that. Um, or something like that. Um, they had a whole, uh, article on period pain. Um, they had period resources. And then they also had a little blurb on how to be a period activist. And, oh, I love that. I love this book. I'm very big on talking about periods. Case in point, my literal last episode where I talked about my period for like 30 minutes straight. But I think it's very important to have a book like this that young adults are going to be able to access and to look at and, um, Hopefully it opens up those conversations on like periods are normal. They shouldn't be a taboo subject and it's good, if not healthy, to talk about them. 
um, and to communicate different things. Uh, so I gave this a four out of five. Oh, and the reason being, okay, so the arts and colors, gorgeous. <laughs> the story I think is fantastic. Um, honestly, I'd give it a 4.5 out of five, I think, because my only, I put my only complaint is too many asshole moments. So like all of, uh, Abby's friends saying, you know, you've done your piece, I think is important to include, but it kind of irritates me. Excuse you, Sadie. I don't know why my dog's going crazy. Um, but also not enough gay shit. That's my last re <laughs> reason. Because I swear to God, I remember, um, two of the characters, I know one of the characters I could see crushed on Abby the entire time. And I swear to God, the last, the first time I read it, Abby and that girl kissed and there wasn't in there. I was straight up like the mandala effect where I like was waiting for them to kiss. I knew that they slow danced together, but I swear to God, I thought they kissed and they don't apparently. So whatever. It's fine. I'm not bitter at all. Um, but yeah, it's okay. It just, it's one of my favorite graphic novels solely for the color palette. Um, moving on to my last graphic novel of the day. I didn't, I'm actually kind of surprised I talked about all of these this long. Um, but I Am Not Starfire by Mariko Tamaki, the story is, and the art is by Yoshi Yoshitani. Okay, one, I love Mariko Tamaki's, um, work, her stories. Oh, I'm trying really hard not to hit my mic. Um, Mariko Tamaki's stories are just gorgeous and brilliant and, uh, fan-fucking-tastic. Like, I love them so much. Uh, what else? Should, she did this one summer. Um, she's done a few. Who? Wait, hold on. I want to figure this out. What all? Mariko Tamaki books. This one summer. Skim. Oh, Lord Dean keeps breaking up with me. That's an excellent one. I Am Not Starfire. Harley Quinn, Breaking Glass. Oh, she did a Supergirl one. Saving Montgomery Soul, Imiko Superstar, um, Lumberjanes, Unicorn Power, uh, You Set Me on Fire, and a few other things. Um, but I've read one, two, three, four, four of her graphic novels, I guess. Oh, five, technically. No, four. Yeah, whoops, four. But all of her graphic novels really leave and lasting impact on me. So like, I love them. And I know if I see Mariko Tamaki on it, I know I'm going to love it. So also I follow Yoshi Yoshitani on Twitter. And the reason why I follow Yoshi is I started looking into, I think it was art, like fan art of video games and stuff. And Yoshi does a lot of, um, fan art of video games. And I was really excited to, uh, to follow them. And I, so it was really cool to see that these two work together on this. So, oh, one of my biggest notes are <laughs> representation with three exclamation marks and queers. Um, okay, wait, I guess I got to give a backstory. So I am not Starfire is talking about Starfire from like Teen Titans. She's grown up now. It's just the Titans. Um, and her daughter, Mandy. Um, Mandy is super goth and kind of chubby, which I love. Um, 
And that's what one of the biggest acts of representation. Also, there's gays because Mandy is super gay. And, you know, it's just this whole Mandy trying to exist with her mother being Starfire. Like I put, if I was Mandy and had to be asked all these fan theories every day, I'd lose my mind because there are multiple scenes where the uh, fan group at her school comes up and asks her, you know, she's like, it's been theorized that your father is Nightwing or whatever, who was Robin type of thing. Um, what do you have to say about that? What do you think? And I was like, thinking about it, I was like, if people came up, I mean, have you ever noticed how awful some people treat celebrities on the internet? As in like, they hypersexualize them. They, you know, oh my God, I can remember on like Wattpad or some shit, the awful amount of, um, uh, what's it called? Fan fiction on One Direction where they all like slept together. Like that's horrible for, those are actual people and you're just writing about them sleeping with people and they're not, one, not gay, two, you know, they're friends. Like they would never do that type of thing. So that's, that's that. Um, the art. Okay. So like my ending rating for this, cause I'm going to wrap this up real quick. Um, uh, is five out of five. The art was so gorgeous. I, it, cause it didn't really have, it was more of what I've heard called like a painterly style in which there wasn't, um, like bold black lines outlining everything. Everything was kind of outlined in a slightly darker color than what it was colored in. If even, I don't think it did that really. It was just, it was no outlines essentially. Um, and the art was gorgeous and it was really well done. And I think the story was almost really well told for me. It's a young adult graphic novel, right? You know, and most graphic novels are, but it was, um, it felt a bit jumpy at points. I feel like it could have been 30 pages longer and, um, filled in some of those gaps. And, you know, it could just be me because I don't really know, um, the Titans as well, but it just came across as a bit eh, off for me, but it doesn't take away from my rating because I love Mariko Tamaki and Yoshi Yoshitani. And I think that they did fantastic together and I would love to see more graphic novels from them. Um, like I would honestly be super cool. So that's it for this week. I think, okay, next week's either going to be the continuation of the graphic novels, in which case I have to read on a sunbeam real quick, or hopefully, and more likely it's going to be talking about Jane Fonda. Maybe I don't even need to finish her biography. I don't know. That, that would be the goal though. I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> but so far I'm like, I don't know, probably about a fifth of the way through her biography. Cause it's about 500 pages, about a fourth of the way through. That's where I'm at. And it's so good. I, okay. It's good in the sense that like, I had no idea about Jane Fonda's early life. I really didn't know much about Jane Fonda and so until Grace and Frankie and then I started researching. But like I respect the hell out of Jane Fonda. Honestly, if anybody talks 
you know, dirty about my Jane Fonda, I'm going to punch them because I love her so much. She's just amazing. Um, but the writing of the autobiography, it's an autobiography. So she wrote it herself. So the writing isn't stellar, but it doesn't really subtract from like the overall, you know, story. So that's, you know, the goal for the coming couple of weeks. We'll see what happens. Um, but with that, I'm going to sign off and don't forget to always be sincerely queer. Till next time, my dudes.